This podcast is a presentation of Nags Head Church, reaching people to discover life in Christ. Stay tuned and visit us on the internet at nagsheadchurch.org. And we're going to talk about why Jesus died on the cross. As I travel and speak, I've done open mic Q&A at a lot of schools. I love to do open mic Q&A. It's really fun uh, because you just never know what people are going to ask. Sometimes people ask really good questions. They'll ask, how did the Bible get written? You know, do we have any historical evidence for Jesus? And the answer is yes. I mean, I've had kids ask me about Bigfoot and UFOs and, you know, uh, do I think that, you know, uh, people are really spying on us through our computers? And the answer is probably. But uh, I don't know. Uh, I was at one place and nobody asked anything. It was just quiet. I was like, okay, you can ask anything. I can't promise I'll know the answer, but... I'll tell you everything I know and a few things I'm guessing at. Any questions? Finally, at the back of the room, a girl raised her hand. She said, well, I can ask anything? And I said, yeah, sure. I'll do my best to answer. She goes, well, I've just been wondering this all night. Do you dye your hair? (laughs) Now, that was when my hair was really, really, really black. But 18 years and 1,400 churches uh, and all this later, I'm starting to get some... Silver threads among the gold, you know. But anyway, so um, one of the questions, let's hit the next slide. I guess the question that everybody wants to know is what about Jesus really? Isn't it amazing? There's a new movie out, Son of God. I interviewed Roma Downey, one of the producers, interviewed her on my radio show. And um, people are still wanting to know of this enigmatic figure from history. G.K. Chesterton, 100 years ago, I want to give you two Chesterton quotes. Chesterton was a defender of the faith. He had a big influence on C.S. Lewis. And Chesterton said, you know, some people fault Jesus for being too uh, loving and not enough justice. And then Jesus is too much judgment and not enough grace. And he said the, the socialists think he was not pacifist and socialist enough and the the others think he was too much this and not enough that now listen what chesterton said chesterton said maybe it's jesus who is sane and all the critics are mad rather than being too much this not enough that maybe jesus is just right maybe jesus is who he claimed to be the savior Um, You know, I could tell you about Mortimer Adler, who was the editor of Encyclopedia Britannica. And Mortimer Adler was, for most of his life, an atheist. But at age 84, shocked the world when he came out as a born-again Christian. Brilliant scholar, traveled the world. And Adler said, follow the evidence wherever it leads. And if you don't abandon the journey, you will wind up at Calvary. Isn't that amazing? Jesus, the world still talks about Jesus. So I want to give you some reasons that Jesus died on the cross. And I want to go and um, dispel what I think are a couple of objections against Jesus. Let's look at Mark chapter 14. Mark is one of the earliest gospels written, maybe the earliest gospel written. And Jesus is incarcerated. And he's in front of the, the authorities, Herod, Pilate, the high priest, Angie and I had the privilege of going to Israel November and December. I was doing some research for a book, and we were in the house of Annas, uh, one of the Jewish leaders, and there's a mosaic on the floor. I should have put it in this PowerPoint. And even the um, Jewish tour guides that are not necessarily 
not necessarily believers, um, would say Jesus Christ, when he was being tried, stood on those tiles. Now, um, hey, I believe anyway, but I mean, when you go there and you see, you think, wow, Jesus stood there as he was being accused. Uh, you can go to the Pool of Siloam, which is being uncovered. Do you know so much of the sites in Israel have been defaced by Muslims over the last 800 years? And in fact, where the Pool of Siloam is has been buried in layers and layers of dirt, and they're gradually digging it out. You can see about one-third of it. And I was asking this tour guide, who uh, was very clear that he was not a believer, he said, look, Jesus Christ would have stood right on these stones when he... Uh, as the gospels say, healed somebody. So it's amazing. It's, this is real. This is, this is literal history. But Jesus, look at Mark 14. He's en route to the cross. And um, verse 61 is where I want to begin in Mark 14. It says, Jesus kept silent and answered nothing. But the high priest asked him, saying to him, Are you the Christ, the Son of the Blessed One? Jesus said, verse 62, I am, and you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the power, capital P, the power, means God the Father, and coming with the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest tore his clothes and said, what further need do we have of witnesses? You've heard his blasphemy. What do you think? And they all, the Sanhedrin that was trying him, they all said uh, he deserved to be delivered to death. Verse 65, then some began to spit on him and to blindfold him and to beat him. And they said to him, prophesy. See, they're hitting him while his uh, eyes were covered up. And the officers struck him with the palms of their hands. Now, let me explain what's going on here. Because Jesus quotes two Old Testament passages. Now, do you remember when, when Moses was on the mountain and the voice out of the burning bush said, go tell Pharaoh, let my people go. If you've not ever watched the Ten Commandments with Charlton Heston as Moses. It's really, really awesome. Every Easter it comes on. The Ten Commandments, directed by Cecil B. DeMille. I love that movie. And Moses says, well, who shall I say sent me? And the voice out of the burning bush says a very enigmatic, mysterious phrase. What does the voice say? I am that I am. Have you ever thought, like, what in the world does that mean? Because you and I, listen, you and I could say, I am who I am. And the voice out of the burning bush says, I am that I am. God was essentially telling Moses, it is my nature to be. God could not not be. And Jesus, amazingly, he says what no pious Jew would dare utter. He says, I am in other words, that's a reference to God's eternal, forever nature. And then he quotes not only Exodus 3.14, Daniel 7. He says to the high priest, high priest goes, tell us, we've asked you, now you lay it on the table. Are you the son of God? Jesus says what nobody would dare utter, I am, Exodus 3.14. And you will see, Daniel 7, the son of man. 82 times Christ called himself the son of man. Coming on the clouds of glory at the end of time, sitting at the right hand of the, the highest. Now, look, Jesus was nailed to the cross for this reason, for our sins, and we're going to get into this. But Jesus was executed because he called himself God. 
A lot of people read the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5 through 7, and they'll say, well, Jesus' core message was love your neighbor. Now, we are to love our neighbor, but look, love your neighbor, be good, stay out of trouble. That doesn't get you executed. If anything, it gets you a pat on the back. Christ's message, and great scholars like Gary Habermas of Liberty University, who'll be at our conference, Peter Kreeft of up in Boston, C.S. Lewis, great thinkers, great scholars have recognized that Jesus' core message was that he is God incarnate and he would give his life to forgive the sins of the world. The kingdom of heaven and how to get in. The Messiah and how you can know him. That was Jesus' life and message. Here this morning in just a few minutes, if you've never personally put your faith in Christ, we want to give you that opportunity. We're going to explain very simply how you can know that you know Jesus and be forgiven of your sins. It's not a religion. It's not a ritual. We're not asking you to join any club. We're, we're going to explain how you can have faith in Christ and know that you're saved. And so Christ is there, and they said, tell us about your man, the man, the mission. He says, I am, and you're going to see me coming at the clouds of heaven. They said, okay, we got all we need. This guy has called himself God. Let's execute him. Well, let, let me tell you why God allowed all this to go down. Let's go forward a little bit. Why he died on the cross, 10 basic reasons. And we're going to go quickly, so, so you'll have to listen quickly. Um, let's, let's go, and we're going to, let's skip a few slides. Go forward, yes. Amen. Number one, to rescue sin and pay for humanity. Jesus died on the cross fundamentally because you and I needed a Savior to pay for sin and rescue humanity. I love Galatians 4 verse 4. Now, at the time of Christ, there was this thing that enveloped most of the civilized world called the Pax Romana, the Peace of Rome. Uh, it was a time where Rome, though they were a military power and it was sort of a, uh, a tentative peace, in other words, uh, rock the boat and there would be repercussions, but Rome pretty much held the world in peace. They were a superpower. There, were, there was a common commerce. There was a common language. There was much international travel. People were coming and going. And really, Rome was kind of almost like the America of the ancient world. Sadly, the America of the modern world is becoming more like the Rome of the ancient world in terms of sin and violence. But Galatians 4 verse 4 says, At the fullness of time, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman to redeem those that were under the law. Now, there is a world of teaching in that verse. God sent his son, born of a woman. That's a reference to Christ's virgin birth, sinless life, to redeem those that were under the law. See, you and I, I don't know if you know it, but you've already got a gravestone. You've got a tombstone with your death notice written on it. Two tablets that were written by the finger of God on Mount Sinai called the Ten Commandments. That's Exodus 20, 1 through 17. Listen, you and I, uh, we, nobody ever gets saved keeping the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments show us how desperately we need a Savior. Because if we look at the perfect holy law of God and we'll say, oh, I've broken it. I, I've, I've told lies. I've been so angry I could just strangle somebody. I've lusted. 
I've coveted. I've been dishonoring to parents and authority figures. Uh, Maybe other things in that law that you know as well um, of which we're guilty. But listen, Jesus came at the fullness of time. Galatians 4.4 literally translated means at precisely the right moment to redeem those that were under the law. You and I are under the condemnation. And let me say, if you live, you die without the forgiveness Jesus offers. There's something even more sinister than a gravestone. There's the slamming down of the lid of the Ten Commandments on our demise. Think about it. Jesus was put in the grave behind a stone. Really, the stone that covers the grave of humanity is the law of God that we cannot keep and we've broken. And this morning, let me say, in your conscience, if you know that you need the forgiveness that only God can give, you put your faith in Jesus and he'll wipe away every sin. He'll give you peace. He'll make you new. He'll forgive what you've done. He'll heal what's been done to you. Jesus offers restoration. Let me tell you why he came. Let's go to point number two. To fulfill scripture. All these prophecies. I think about Psalm 22, written 1000 BC. They'll pierce his hands and his feet. I think about Micah 5.2. He'll be born in Bethlehem. Isaiah 7.14. He'll be born of a virgin. Isaiah 53. That he'll be led like a lamb to the slaughter. Zechariah chapter 9. He'll ride in on a donkey. Palm branches. Hosanna. Jesus' life was like this sequential, incremental fulfilling of prophecy. He went to the cross in fulfillment of of all of God's predictions. And it's almost like, listen, there were these clues sprinkled in the Old Testament. It's almost like pious Jews, if you were reading God's word, there had to have been people like Nicodemus for whom the light bulb came on. Wait a minute. Born in Bethlehem, went to Egypt, lived in Nazareth, born of a virgin, spoke in parables, did miracles, healed the sick, preached good news to the poor, was falsely accused, was surrounded by Gentiles, was given vinegar to drink, uh, was nailed to a cross. He was not laying in the grave and rotted, but he was alive. Said he'll come at the end of time in the clouds of glory to judge the nations. Who, who, meets all of those criteria and more. Jesus alone, he came to fulfill scripture. Let's go to the next slide. Jesus died on the cross to obey the Father as our example. John 17, Jesus said something that, may God God grant that all of us can say it. Jesus said as he was about to die, Father, I finished the work you gave me to do. He's our example. We're to follow Christ. Hey. May God grant that every one of us, as we are about to leave this world, can think, you know, I did what the good Lord put me here to do. Maybe it's to be a minister on the staff of a church, like Andy. Or maybe it's to build a godly home and family. Maybe it's to run a wonderful business that will bless the lives of people through employment. Maybe it's to be a a medical doctor, a teacher, a journalist. Maybe it's to serve our country in some way. Look, you've got things God put you here to do. And Jesus is our example. And so we're to fulfill our purpose like Christ fulfilled his. Let's go to the next slide. Jesus died on the cross to destroy the works of Satan. Now, 1 John says this, that Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. 
Satan has tried his best to mess up God's beautiful creation. And Jesus came, among other things, to show his sovereign power to undo the damage done by the devil. That's really good news. Let me give you a verse that might touch your life. Joel 2, verse 25. This is in the Old Testament. Now, I'm a farm boy. I grew up on a farm. And, uh, you know, down here in Nags Head, you've got culture. Where I come from, you've got agriculture. Uh, and so I know what it is when, when a crop goes bad. I know what it is when drought or insects destroy a field of corn. Joel 2.25 says, God restores the years the locust has eaten. Now, when insects eat your cornfield, nothing you can do but wait till next year and try again. God is so big that he can give you a do-over in life. Our God is so powerful, and Jesus' gospel is so, so important. God can rewind the tape of your life and destroy the works of Satan. Here this morning, let me tell you, maybe you have squandered years of time. You have blown it over and over. This morning, Jesus says, look, I can forgive you. I can wind back the clock. I can destroy the works of Satan and give you a fresh start. If God can give the world a new start, he can give you a new start. That's part of why he died. Let's go to the next slide. Jesus died to usher along history. Hey, his miraculous second coming had to have been preceded by a miraculous first coming. History's going somewhere, people. Eastern religion, the yin, the yang, the ebb and flow, the cyclical forever nature of karma. It's not how things really are. History's going somewhere. I was in a bank, actually in Lynchburg, had a check to cash. The lady said, what do you do? I said, I'm a preacher. She goes, oh, I guess everybody's asking, what is the world coming to? I said, the the real question is, who's coming to the world? Jesus died, rose again to move history along, and he's coming back. Let's go to the next slide. Jesus died to demonstrate the seriousness of sin. Now, when Mel Brooks made The Passion of the Christ, a lot of people didn't like it. They said, oh, it's gory, it's violent. I had the privilege of being at a private screening in Florida with Mel Gibson, Because they got all these Christian leaders together. I was actually, Andy, I was sitting in a theater uh, with uh, Elmer Towns and Jerry Falwell and John Maxwell and Bill Bright. And there was Mel Gibson. He said, I want to show this film. And um, people said, oh, it's it's just, it's, it's not pleasant to look at that. They asked Gary Habermas, the world expert on the resurrection, was the passion of the Christ too gory? He said, well, it probably actually wasn't graphic enough. Let me say sin is really, really serious. We take it lightly. Eh, tell a little, little, little white lie. Let me say sin, according to the word of God, brings death. Romans 6.23. And so Jesus' death on the cross, it's not pretty. It's unsettling to look at, isn't it? But that's just how serious sin is. And without the forgiveness of sin, we have no hope. But Jesus gives us hope. And he went through that awful death so you wouldn't have to. Will you receive him? Let's go to the next slide. Jesus died on the cross to behave in accord with God's nature. God is a merciful God. God could not let the house burn down without trying to rush in and save the the trapped child. God could not let the person drowning 
die without at least diving in the water and trying to pull them to safety. And humanity that fell, we had a sin nature and we had sinful deeds we'd done. God had to at least intervene. But let me say this, friend. He offers you forgiveness. He doesn't force it. Jesus will, will tap you on the shoulder, make overtures, but he will not override your free will. But he is a God of mercy. And Jesus died because it is his nature to try and reach out and show love. Let's go to the next slide. Jesus died on the cross to pave the way for the church. Matthew 16, 18. Jesus said, I will build my church. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. John 15, 16. Jesus said, I'm going to the Father, but I'm going to send the Spirit. See, Jesus died and rose again so we could be here and worship and help others find Jesus. He paved the way for what we're doing right now in his death and resurrection. Let's go to the next slide. Jesus died and rose again because it was necessary. What do I mean by that? There really was no other way. Um, God would not be a holy God if he brushed sin under the rug. Really, there was no other way. And think about it. God did not send Michael or Gabriel angels to die. God didn't just send Jesus to teach. But think about, this is so amazing. Now, scholars talk about what's called the incarnation, that God took on a human body. Listen, when Jesus left heaven, came to earth, it was not the subtraction of divinity, but it was the addition of humanity, perfect humanity. Jesus was fully human, but not fallen human. And there was no other way. And God didn't just send some emissary. God himself took on a human body. And when those nails went through his hands and feet, he really, really felt that. That was pain. And that's why the book of Hebrews, listen, so beautiful, says we do not have a high priest who can't understand our infirmities, but Jesus was tempted in all points like we, yet without sin. Have you ever been falsely accused? Have you ever been put out on the outside and ostracized? Have you ever been misunderstood and lied about? Have you ever been hurt? Have you ever been wounded? Have you ever been misunderstood? All of those things Jesus went through, yet without sin. And that's why this morning, listen, if you're in a, in a place of pain, you're in a place of worry, you're in a place of uncertainty, whatever issues, Jesus can legitimately say, I understand. Child, I understand. And where we've blown it, he was victorious. And where we've been guilty, he'll forgive us. It was necessary. There was no other way. Finally, Jesus died on the cross. Let me tell you this. To proclaim the sovereignty of God. I was at Liberty University. I was uh, in a class. There was a very wonderful Bible scholar there named Dr. Harold Wilmington. So it's this Q&A, 400 students. Somebody raised their hand. They said, Dr. Wilmington. Does the devil probably know how the Bible ends? I mean, Revelation 21, 22, Satan's thrown in the lake of fire. Satan and all of his demons are defeated. A new heaven, new earth, perfection. God wins. And we who know the Lord, we're forever in the joys of heaven with God. Does the devil know all that, that, that he doesn't win? Dr. Wilmington said, undoubtedly, Satan knows the Bible. Uh, he quotes it when he tempted Jesus in the wilderness. 
So anyway, this student, he could have heard a pin drop. The student goes, well, so if the devil knows that he's a loser, he can't win, um, then why does he keep on? And Dr. Wilmington's answer was profound. He said, well, that's the insanity of sin. And to follow and serve Satan is to align yourself with the greatest cosmic loser of all time. I was like, whoa. I got a pen. I was like, I got to write that down. To follow and serve Satan is to align yourself with the greatest cosmic loser of all time. I mean, it was amazing. But look, God is sovereign. The, the word sovereignty means in control. Now, God is in control. And the good news is he's in control and he's a loving God. He's merciful. He cares about you. He's passionate about you. But God is in control. And don't you know don't you know that here is Jesus laying his back to a beam of wood, nails in his hands and his feet. Satan's probably thinking, oh, oh my goodness, he's really going to do it. He's going to go through with this. And, and Jesus hangs there. Finally, in John 19.30, he says, it is finished. And he dies. He yields up his spirit. Jesus is dead. And Satan, in, in insane, perverse satanic glee probably thinks oh my gosh i have done it i have killed the son of god wow and the sky became dark the roman historian phlegon called the greatest historian of ancient rome who was no believer i assure you wrote that the earthquake happened at the time of passover the darkness extended from jerusalem all the way to rome and and surely the forces of hell thought they had won and and maybe dare we believe our eyes we have killed God three days later at sunrise a group of women went to the tomb and the stone had been rolled away and the angels said we know you seek Jesus of Nazareth he is not here. He is risen as he said. Go and tell the others. And friend, I want to tell you this morning, your sins can be forgiven. Your heart can be restored. Your burden will be lifted. And your home will be with Christ forever as he said. See, God's got a pretty good track record of keeping his promises. And the cross, the tomb, the resurrection, the message, all of this, among other things, shows that God is really in control. Now, there's a thing in logic called the law of composition. The whole is made up of the parts. That's the law of composition. Now, if God is in control of the universe and you're a part of the universe, then God is also in control of your world as well. Isn't that good news? Um, mortgages have to get paid. Kids need to get raised. Tuition has to be covered. Doctor's appointments sometimes yield some unsettling results. But I want you to know, we look at all these details and we think, what in the world? And this morning, just one last little time, God says, trust me. I got your back. It's under control. Hey, uh, just to prove how God had all this going on and still was in control and Satan did not win. Death was not victorious, but life conquered it all. Little poem as we close. Listen to this. It says, His holy fingers formed the bough where grew the thorns that crowned his brow. 
The nails which pierced his hands were mined beneath the earth that he designed. He made the forest where there sprung the tree on which his body hung. The sun which hid from him its face by his decree was hung in space. The sky which darkened above Christ's head by his decree above the earth was spread. He died upon a cross of wood but made the hill on which it stood. The grave in which his body was laid was cut from the rocks that he had made. God was in control and indeed this morning he is as well. Can we bow our heads? With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, I want to ask you three simple questions. No one's looking around. I'm, I'm looking because I want to pray for you. But with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, is there anyone here and you say, you know, you know Alex, I want to make sure that I know the Lord. Um, Alex, I, I want to really I want to be for sure that I've put my faith in Christ. And I'm going to lead in a prayer in just a moment. We're not asking you to join this church or, or join anything. I'm just asking, if you need to pray along with me and, and put your faith in Jesus and know that your sins are forgiven, and you're, go, you're going to pray from your heart to God when I lead in just a minute. If that's you, would you raise your hand? You say, yep, Alex, pray for me. I'm going to, amen. Anybody else? Anybody else? Come on, put your hand up. All right. Then sincerely to God in your heart, pray something like this. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe you are who you claimed, the Son of God. Lord, I believe that you died on that cross for me. Lord, I I accept that you did that for me. And Lord... I admit that I've sinned. Lord, I I want to be forgiven. So I'm putting my faith in you, Lord. Come into my life. Wash my sins away. Help me to follow you. In Jesus' name. Now, with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, listen, if you prayed that prayer, the Word of God promises that that Jesus heard you, He forgave you. Um, I beg, um, if you prayed that prayer this morning, tell us about it. We just want to help you. We'll give you a little booklet that will help you in your walk with the Lord so that you can seek out Andy or me or uh, just talk to us if you prayed that prayer. Two last questions, though. Maybe you do know the Lord. You're already a believer, and you're a Christian. That's great. Uh, today, maybe God is calling you to take things to the next level. There's some stuff you need to pray about. Maybe you, you want to even come to this stage like an altar and talk to God. Maybe moms and dads, you want to come down here as a family and pray. Some of you teenagers, pray for your campus. And then finally, maybe God is calling you to join this great church. Uh, so maybe if you need to come talk to Andy and you say, hey, what, what, is, what does it mean to be a member and to be plugged in. Hey, we'll help you with that too. Salvation, prayer, even membership, whatever God leads you to do, follow through. Father, in the name of Jesus, help men and women, boys and girls, young people, seniors, grown-ups. Lord, help us to do what we'll be glad we did on the day we stand before you. Help us come to a point of decision and obedience to the one who gave his life for us. Father, thank you for Calvary. Thank you for the empty tomb. Thank you for our home in heaven one day because of Jesus. And now, Lord, cleanse us, fill us, use us 
In Jesus' name and for his glory we pray. Amen. This has been a presentation of Nags Head Church, reaching people to discover life in Christ. Visit us on the internet at nagsheadchurch.org.